0: and welcome back to Let's Unpack That, your weekly podcast where this politically engaged queer millennial unpacks world events through the lens of anxiety, depression, and everything in between. Um, This week, we are unpacking the first presidential debate in the 2020 election. It is, in my mind, one for the record books uh, for a variety of reasons, um, but mainly because, as you probably saw on cable news, all of the cable news anchors just absolutely not knowing how to handle the coverage after. We're just talking about how it was the most chaotic debate. It was the most disgusting debate. It was the most undemocratic debate, and it was just the least professional and presidential. Um, And I think we're probably going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, But um, on this episode today, we have um, Erica, we have Kirk, we have our producer, Andrew, who loves to chime in. Um, And then we also have uh, one of my college friends, Ben Bousquet. So um, together, the five of us are going to, the quickly go over um just an introduction to the debate kind of some of our reactions to it we're going to talk about some headlines um that you probably missed throughout the week and then we'll really dive into the main pieces of the debate so what trump did well what biden did well and then also a little bit about what we're hoping for kamala harris and um, the mike pence debate um and after that we'll talk a little bit more um about how you can get involved and stay involved um in the political sphere uh By the time that this comes out, it will be less than a month until Election Day. We are basically there right now. Um, So just make sure that you are doing everything that you can. Um, But that's enough for me. Um, I want to welcome back to the podcast, Andrew, Erica, and Kirk. And Ben, welcome to the podcast for the first time.
1: Hey, Paul. Hey, everyone. Thank you all so much for having me. Um, This has been really fun to see everything that you've done online, Paul. And and I'm really stoked to take your second offer to come on the podcast. Uh, So thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that's uh, it's funny. I was thinking about that, too, as I was like getting ready for tonight. So um, if you guys remember back, uh, maybe like four or five episodes ago, we talked about a reimagining of education with uh, uh, Keldrick and, and Randy Luray. Um Ben actually works with them and knows them uh, fairly well. So uh, kind of Ben made the connection for us. And then we got Ben to, to finally join the pod. Um, so thank you for joining. Don't thank us for, for hopping on. We're just grateful for the additional time and additional perspective. So, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your politics, um, about like your views, kind of like how you got interested and how you got passionate in, in this stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's been, I guess like with anybody, man, a a long road to be where I am and to have the ideas that I have now. And as I was reflecting on them before, which I appreciate being here just for the aspect of asking me to reflect on what are your politics? How did you get to where you are? I realized how in development they still are. And I think all of us as you know, millennials, as, as younger people who are, um, at least I'll speak for myself, more engaged now than I've ever been, although I have you know, been engaged before feeling like things are really emerging in terms of what I think about the world and and a lot of that intersects with my own identity um, so taking it back I would say you know I was uh, I was raised by a family that is pretty progressive um, my uh, parents both uh, you know went to college and, and got graduate degrees uh, so I, I definitely was brought up with that. Knowledge in that background. Um, and I work in a college. I work for Vanderbilt University in the admissions office now. But thinking about politics, my first real engagement with politics, I, I grew up certainly watching debates and being engaged and adopting my parents' beliefs, as I think a lot of us do. Yes. Uh, and, and luckily, my, I'm so fortunate that, that my folks and I see mostly eye to eye. But my first engagement with politics was volunteering for Obama's first run in 2008. Um, I was not yet old enough to vote, um, but there was a local office in my town and a buddy and I decided that we wanted to volunteer. So we just walked down to the office and said, hey, we're interested. We spent a lot of time reading up on his policies and we would call voters. I will say that as a white male teenager, I had an experience then that was actually one of my, not my first, but one of my most memorable early experiences with racism. Uh, my, my friend Stephen was sitting next to me and he was calling a voter and the voter picked up the phone and said, now why would I vote for him? Why is he an Afro-American? Why can't he be a regular American? And we were both just flabbergasted by this, um, which you know may not surprise some of your Black listeners as much as it, it surprised me at that time. So that was definitely formative. And then going to LaSalle, getting into education, I think that uh, I it was a long, slow road to begin to see the intersection of higher education, politics, policy, how we create access for students. It was a long road of me... Having to very slowly and over time listen to people who are different from me and understand that their college experience, which again, that's that's my profession, that's what I think about the most, is a lot different from me. Um, and so now I have the honor of talking to really, really, really smart seventeen and eighteen year old kids who want to go to college, and thinking about ways that we can create access for them. And I also happened to have uh, a couple months of fun employment between finishing graduate school and beginning uh, my next full-time job last summer, in which I just dove into politics. And and that's when, uh, Paul, you know, I was making some videos about the Democratic primary process. And that's what really brought me back into the fold was um, trying to engage other people my age who otherwise were not paying attention to the primary process. And uh, that more or less gets us to the place where we are today with uh trump as our president and here we all are
0: here we all are yeah it's funny like i remember um like some of the videos you made you were the first person that i heard say that tulsi gabbard was a republican (laughs) (laughs) she is yeah i think it was pretty funny like i I, and that's like it's it's part of the reason that i started talking about it because like you were very much comfortable like having fun not being divisive, although I can certainly be that, like, I think, like, being a little bit more comfortable sharing and and speaking just, like, here's what I think, here's what I think is going to happen in the debate, here's a couple things to watch out for. It was really simple, and it was really easy to follow, and it was really easy to process. And I was like, hey, like, I can do this too. Like, like, Ben knows totally different people than I do. Like, why can't we all just kind of, like, keep sharing and keep talking, like, with about these stories and our views on politics? Because if we talk about it, we can, like, have it resonate with people. I'm sure you got like a lot of good feedback when you were doing that stuff too.
1: I did, it was really fun and it was, you know, at that time it was almost, among other things, it was an outlet for me to get all of this political media that I was consuming out of my head and make it useful for someone else. but, I mean, Paul, hats off to you and and to anybody else who is willing to make themselves vulnerable. Um, saying that Tulsi Gabbard was a Republican at that time was one of the most, like, edgy things that I said. And I think even the, the blue dog Democrats are basically like, yeah, sure, she's a Republican. We're fine with that. Um, so I think I have not been as comfortable with putting myself out there as much. But uh, I would definitely encourage people to find those ways that you can – Engage other people, educate other people, uh, and and make sure you do that in a way where you're listening as well.
0: Yeah, I agree, and that like kind of it kind of brings me to something I wanted to ask Erica about um, because Erica, um, uh, you probably don't follow each other yet, um, and if you don't follow Erica, I highly recommend you should. Erica just posts pictures of her forehead uh, with like her thoughts, <laughs> about yes. the politics above it, and I'm just curious, like I don't know, Erica, like how how is that for you, like your method of like. Sharing things out like do you view that as like a rant. Do you think about it beforehand, or are you just sort of like this popped into my head? I want to get it
2: out first and foremost. I don't think I've ever like thought about anything that I say.
0: <laughs> That's you can go back and listen to the now ten episodes that Erica's on, and that is a confirmed fact. yes
2: Politifact said that is a confirmed <laughs> fact. Um, but you know, I I think that I the one reason why I will never consider myself um, a truly one who can comment on politics from a place of full understanding is because I am like very emotion forward and it'll literally be like the same, like three or four girls will post something on Facebook or Instagram primarily. And it just like pisses me off. And it's like, you need to understand that like, this is what it is. Like um, one girl, she, uh, no, I don't want to like go too deep into it. Cause she's literally the only person who would like, not that she listen. So she's Armenian. And um,
0: <laughs> we have to bleep out this too. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to bleep this out.
2: You <laughs> never know. What we're going to keep in what we won't um, so about there, but whatever. Um, but she obviously, and rightfully so um, speaks a lot about the Armenian genocide Um, And what's happening um, with the attacks in Armenia. But she's also takes these very like QAnon, um, BLM is like a terrorist group kind of approaches. And she's been really silent on um, issues of race unless it affects her own community. Um, And so, you know, I'll see I'll see something like that. And it's like, yes, I do think that we should bring light to something that most Americans are either unaware of and or um, most international alliances by and large ignore. But on the other side, like we can't, you can't just fight for your own cause, right? Like we're all in this together. My cause is your cause, your cause is mine. So it's usually triggered by like a white woman or a white passing woman, um sorry to my white sisters I'm sure you guys are doing great but it's it's purely emotion and it's purely just like how I'm feeling in that moment and I don't know I feel like people I don't I like have some type of like I don't know obsession with my eyebrows and my primarily crystal clear forehead thanks to my rigorous skincare routine so (laughs) I figure you know and not show off this five head forum, and it is actually great real estate for um relevant points so if anyone ever wants to borrow my forehead um
3: slip slope here
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm dying.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's funny, like because we all have different ways about messaging, you know, like even um, I can't remember, like, Ben, you shared something today where you were like sharing a video. Erica, you did a a forehead post uh, yesterday about the debate. Um, And then Kirk, I know that like we've talked before on the podcast and then in our text messages where you've been like, I want to share this stuff, but I literally feel like these people won't respond to me. Like, they just won't care. Like, I don't know how I can keep like calling this out. Like, I need to just keep saying it. But like, I literally feel like they just don't get it. Like, so I'm curious, like when you're talking about politics, like and stuff like that, like what are, what's kind of driving you to to post? Like, what's your motivators behind it?
3: I, very similar I think to to what they both said, but i that's a good point. I think I said it in the first podcast I was on with you being about how I uh, not afraid to post things, but feel like am I pissing people off by constantly saying not the same thing, but I don't know, do people want to see us all the time? They don't follow me for that, or no one follows me, but my friends, you know what I mean and um, but actually, I don't think I told you this any of you this, but um recently we were playing I was at my friends, and it was like four or five of us, and we were playing some drinking game that was like. It was like questions or something. And it was like go, one of the people had to go around and say a negative about everybody. Like, what's one thing that you like is a negative about this person? And mine was, I'm too political. And I found that to be funny. I was like, that, that's fine. Like, I don't find that to be negative. And I don't find this group of friends to like not. We have conversation on politics, but I think it's about me sharing constantly. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. I don't care. I mean, my friends can say that. I don't care. But it's a a little bit, I was like, I don't take that as like a negative. That's weird that you think that's a negative. But I think if a few months to a few year or a year or so ago, I probably would have been like, oh, I need to stop doing that because like now it's political. And I argue like a lot of what I share, what Erica shares, or I'm sure what Ben shares or what you share, or Andrew, it's not even political to me. Like it's like important period like it's not yes if you were to look at my instagram right this now or a week ago from whoever's listening to this it's all about the debate last night sure that's political but like me talking about back in when everything was happening with with black lives matter starting like i don't think that was me being political that was just me being i care about this um just like um sally joe cares about the dogs and she posts about them all the time when wants to rescue them which i think is great but like is that political it, you know, and so I just think it's something I care about. But of course, if it, when it turns into everything now that is important is political. So I mean, I just take the the label, I guess, of being too political. Yeah, that you definitely is don't so fall at because you would really understand what too political
0: is. <laughs> I know. I was like, I think on that, yeah, it is. It is so funny. It's not really political. It's just your beliefs and how how you think the way that the world should should live and exist. And unfortunately, I think our identity is tied so much to that, isn't it? Um That's interesting. Yeah. I like the way that you frame that. Um, So I I think that like that, I just kind of want to set the tone of like, So you guys can get to know us a little bit better. You know, with each episode, we get quite a few new listeners who don't have the background of how we all know each other, how we all got started in this. And I think that that's just sort of like one way to to look into this stuff. So um, what I want to do now, though, um, is jump into into the headlines. So um, what we do in the headline section is that we each pick one kind of disturbing or news or noteworthy uh, topic from from this week's news. Um, And uh, we just kind of talk about it because it's something that that you may have missed. Um, at the time that we're recording this, again, it's the night after the presidential debate, but like Trump's taxes were three nights ago, you know, like or four nights ago. Like there's just so much that has been happening and so much that we've been getting hit with. And, and again, like, it's it's sometimes tough to even keep up with accounts like mine because there's different issues that pop up and then I feel like I have to move to the next one even if something still feels more important. So um, I just kind of wanted to to kind of go around the the circle a bit um, and talk specifically around uh, a headline.
3: So Kirk, do you
0: have one? Would you like to?
3: I do. Mine isn't. Um, mine's actually one that I shared with you guys last week. That technically still falls in this week because it was last Wednesday that it was a headline. But um, I wouldn't have a lighter one because I feel like this entire podcast is going to be pretty, you know, heavy. Not heavy, but, you know, wasn't really great what happened last night. So mine is, um, it says, shit, I just clicked. Pole dancing ad uses exotic dancers to get people to the poles. Um I encourage everyone to go watch this video. It's brilliant. It's, um, I think, in Atlanta is where it is. And they have a lot of... Um, girls from a lot of different strip clubs in Atlanta featured in this spot. It's really, really, I thought, well done. It's funny, but it's also well done. Um, I guess super provocative. But the one thing I really liked about it was um, it wasn't just about the presidential election. I think one of the lines in it is one of them say, you know, it's more than just the president on the ballot, right? A district attorney decides who to prosecute, including whether or not to go after dirty cops, et cetera, et cetera. It it wasn't just about the president. So I think this is an opportunity for us as I think we did the same thing last week, but I think we keep saying this of like, you know, educate yourself on more than just, is it Trump or Biden when you go to vote in in November? Um, But I think you should go watch this video and then also then educate yourself on what's happening in your specific area. Agreed. Erica, what's your headline?
2: My headline is the house has decided not to vote um, to hold off on voting on the uh, next $2.2 trillion stimulus bill. Um, Or is it billion? Billion, trillion.
3: Trillion, trillion.
2: Trillion, yeah. Yeah. Um, And quite frankly, I think they're saying that they want it to be like they're holding off so they have opportunity to argue more bipartisan legislation. Um, I think at this point we have people who, um, you know, the first of the month is tomorrow and they do not have money to pay their rent um, because they are so you know, being impacted by COVID because uh this country's idiot president has not taken the right steps for it. So um I am honest quite frankly appalled that um, you know, we'd be it's so easy for a co- government to let its citizens um hang out to drive and twelve hundred dollars is still absolutely not enough. Um so, you know, again, I think this is a great opportunity to Um, get more engaged in your local um, and statewide politics, because we do have the ability to push our politicians a certain way. So um, whether that be calling now or voting November 3rd, like we got to step up because as you can see, like I think at this point we've gotten less than $6 a day for um, quote unquote pandemic relief, which I don't know about you, but like, Pre-pandemic, my coffee budget was six dollars a day. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think like the the COVID relief is like so incredibly imperative. Um, I don't know if anybody had any thoughts on like the Republicans' counter proposal from a couple weeks ago, where they proposed like four hundred dollars um, a week in unemployment benefits, and the Democrats were like, "No, we need 600 and now that's kind of like why we're at a stalemate. But like, I don't know, like Ben, were you kind of in tune with that argument um, or? Like, um, I'm just curious cause it, it is one that I do think is incredibly important, like and can be a political victory for the party that says it was our, you know, thing that we passed for people.
1: Yeah. I, you know, and, and political is the right word for it. I mean, and that is all, it seems that honestly, both parties were, were looking for, I, I certainly believe that because the Democrats were fighting for more funding and we can all agree that more funding would have been better. Um, it won't take us so far off the rails, but I think Andrew Yang looks a little bit smarter day by day when we think about something like universal basic income. Um, but, you know, there's no compromise because no side wants to lose. No side wants to look like they gave in. And just like with government shutdowns, uh, we would rather have nothing than actually um, help people out. So, yeah, it's really, really unfortunate. And I, I feel for people that are that are out of work right now.
0: Yeah, I know. I I feel the same thing. Like, we just got some news even here with like the two of us. And it's like, it's like, at some point, we may have to rely on some of these benefits. And that's like, really important for us to be able to get that. So it just like, not having obviously, like we have our state stuff, but not having the the federal government extend those benefits, because they're too worried about the election tipping one way or the other is just like, really frustrating. I get why people get really upset at the system in that, you know, space for sure. Andrew, do you have a headline?
4: I I do. Um, It's not something that I think people missed. um, And it kind of relates to the debate a little bit. But because it is close to home, the nine ballots that went missing in the Wilkes-Barre area of Pennsylvania, um, I think it's important to talk about because You know, it's definitely been picked up a lot in right-wing media, and the headlines are not leading with the fact that it was only nine ballots. It's just ballots were thrown away, or the headlines kind of make it sound like it was done maliciously or with intent. And the initial investigations are kind of showing that it was probably a mistake by a a worker who is not well trained um, or wasn't completed the training and obviously we're still very early on in the vote casting process. I think for me, what that and this is something that's going to be hammered on. I think this is going to be one of the most important issues with the election is the election fraud because it's something that Trump has made into the focus of the election. So that win or lose, however the results come out, if he likes it, if he doesn't like it, he has that in his back pocket people have already been primed with that rhetoric that he can whip it out and say, oh, look, it was fraud. I told you it was going to be fraudulent. He's got that at his disposal now, and this just plays into it. You know, The reality is, no matter what, um, there's always going to be human error, and no matter what happens, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's an election or not an election, there's always going to be mistakes. But the thing that needs to be hammered home is the... Statistical significance of election mistakes and election fraud, although it does happen, is so small, it has no bearing on our elections.
2: Yeah. And this story
4: kind of – what's interesting is this story is being used by right-wing media to underscore Trump's um, claim that the elections will be fraudulent and mail-in voting will be fraudulent. But to me, it actually says the opposite because it was a mistake and there was only nine ballots, you know, to read some of the headlines out there, you would think
0: like somebody found like a dump truck full of ballots, like out in the woods somewhere. And it's this like, well, how many more are there? Oh, there's nine here. There's thousands in ponds and in rivers. Yeah. Yeah. It's so frustrating. I was going to say my, my story is somewhat similar. My headline Um, right after Trump's taxes, uh, once the report from the, the New York Times came out on Sunday night, um, Trump immediately started retweeting this story from this conspiracy theorist organization called Project Veritas, which translates to, I believe, Project Truth in Latin. Um, and if you don't understand an organization that calls himself Project Truth, uh, they are far right wing conservative organization that is alongside Breitbart News. Um, And they're continuing to get more traction because of these expose videos that they do. But they talked about ballot harvesting and specifically how Ilhan Omar, who is one of the aoc plus three that should go back to where she comes from i'm quoting the president um uh, is is uh, that she was involved in this ballot harvesting scandal um and ballot harvesting if you don't know it's a it's a law that allows third parties to to collect and deliver ballots in some states but it's not every state so basically you can have a third party and volunteers campaign workers go into people's homes collect their ballots and then drop them off in different places. So the story was, is that there was this guy um, who his name was uh, Liban Mohammed, and that he is working for Ilhan Omar. And he was caught on video basically harvesting these ballots um, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is where her district is. Um, and it is illegal in Minneapolis, Minnesota or in Minnesota, I think as, as a whole. So the second that, the Democrats and the independents and the Republicans who don't read fake news started talking about Trump's taxes immediately the right, released this story about Ilhan Omar that has she has since denied um, and said that she doesn't work with this man um, and that she has no relationship to it and she doesn't understand why he was taking these hundreds of ballots. So um, I think all of these things like Andrew's story, you know, like it's it's undermining this process to believe that our elections aren't fair when, as Andrew said, the evidence of voter fraud is so, so minimal. Even the Heritage Foundation that Republicans quote all the time, um, that story was proven to show that there is less voter fraud than we all think that there is, or at least less cases that we've been able to see and track over the last, you know, 15, 20 years that they've been tracking. So it's just one of those things that frustrates me because it's covered by 90% of right leaning media. It's not really covered by the left. So we wouldn't even see that it's happening. So then their argument to us is, you know, look, these people just turn the other way because it's Ilan Omar and she's this radical left, you know, person who's trying to steal democracy and you know make you fucking like get abortions whether you're a man or a woman you know like just this <laughs> whole story of things that they that they tell and then because the more liberal progressive leaning news outlets don't cover it even if they're not true i think that it still does somewhat of a disservice to uh, some people who may get attacked with that for all these people that live in Republicans' home or work with Republicans, you know, or people who are just unsure about voting, if this is what they hear, that people are harvesting ballots and then they're throwing them out and they're, you know, letting them on fire and they're in wastebaskets all over this stuff. Like that makes those people less likely to um, participate in the elections. So, again, huge story, but not one that has any ounce of truth uh, that we can see um, other than just the fact that this conspiracy <laughs> there's organization posted it.
3: And it's so funny, you know, I was thinking about this when you were saying how this whole undermining, he's saying everything's fake and, you know, if, if he loses, then the election's fake. But if you go back to 2016 and all these g- genuine concerns about Russia and hacking and actual things that are happening and are undermining our democratic process, because obviously that's in his favor, but he's like, oh, that's not true at all. When there's way more basis. And now, four years later, knowing all the stuff they did do. He's projecting right, it's but it's crazy because, like, that actually happened f- from what we can see for the most part. Um, and then it's proven that like 0.000025 percent of mail in votes have ever ha- had been voter fraud. Um, it's just crazy, but, and, but th- that's something that that stat or that number probably is on at zero of those outlets that you're talking about, so nobody's getting that. Um, but then and this reminded me of, not to bring up a headline, but it makes sense into this too, with the Russia stuff is the, that came out the other day that I don't think enough people are talking about, is that um, the 3.5 million African American people that they targeted on social media, um, this Trump campaign did with the uh, secret effort of focusing on those 16 swing states and everything, um, you know, to lie to them about all the African Americans that actually are voting for Trump or are for Trump and all that kind of stuff. Um, which is to me a different kind of voter fraud if you think about it, but it's like totally voter manipulation manipulation. yeah, Yeah.
0: by a campaign. Right. Yeah. Right. That welcomes that stuff. (laughs) It's crazy. All right. Uh, Ben, what, what's your headline?
1: Yeah. So mine, I think it'll bring us into the debate and I had a happy headline and a really dark headline. I'm going to go with a happy one. I feel like we'll end up getting to the dark one anyway. Um, but, there's this whole narrative around the lack of enthusiasm for Biden. And we know that Trump's base uh, as shrinking as in small and as niche and as proud boy as it is, it's uh, it's an enthusiastic base. And uh, there's a lot of concern that after the, the really crowded Democratic primary that nobody was happy with Biden as the pick. But that wouldn't seem to be the case after last night during the debate. Act Blue, which is where Democrats, uh, all Democratic candidates, can fundraise raised twenty five million dollars for various candidates during the debate. So that's Biden breaking a one hour record uh, and getting eight million dollars just during that debate. Um, but twenty five million, it was actually by the next morning, I believe, for Democratic candidates. So for for Senate and and other positions as well. Um, so. It's a reminder, I think, that a there is uh, there is enthusiasm for Biden, even if he wasn't your first, your second, or even your third choice. Um, there's enthusiasm against Trump, but also that um, young people, especially, I don't think that people our age donate to political campaigns, and I and I get it, but I think one thing to think about is that. You can vote with your wallet and it doesn't have to be a ton of money. Um, $3, $5, the reason it makes a difference, because people say, I don't think it makes a difference. What is $3? And that's true. $3 isn't even a drop in the bucket. But especially during like primaries, people make debate stages based on the number of individuals that contribute to their campaign. That's another important factor. Uh, It's important now as well. So I think if you can give five bucks, especially at a crucial time like that, it's really valuable.
0: Yeah, that's a really good headline. Um, And that is like, it's so on par that many Democrats are very motivated to use their money, right? Like, after Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing, um, you know, get get Mitch or Die Trying raised twenty-six million dollars. This is now what what did you say? Twenty-four? Twenty five. Twenty-five million,
1: million over yeah. act blue by the next morning. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like this this type of stuff is just wild, you know? And and it's unfortunate that money plays such a huge part, but it does until we can find a way to change those rules. And like I think again, like even on the last podcast, like we started it with some like gripes about Joe Biden. But like, that's probably a perspective as young people that we have, because we were more excited by other candidates. But there's a lot of people out there who are really excited for Joe Biden. And like, I like, I'm excited for Joe Biden, you know, like, I I just was watching him last night. And I was like, and I, and I, I got like, really emotional just thinking about like, this guy has been in politics for 47 years he started his first year in Washington by losing his wife and losing his infant daughter. Um, You know, flash forward 40 years, he loses his son. He's had so many careers. He was vice president. Like this guy feels like he is our last hope to save enormous parts of democracy. Like, and I was just thinking about like how proud I am of him for Deciding to run and deciding to jump in because that decision at his age, after he has done so much already, good and bad, good and bad, after he's done so much already, like that could not have been an easy decision. He could have said, "I had a great career as vice president. I thought about running when Hillary was the nominee, but I didn't." You know, and and now I, I I'm just gonna sit this one out. I'm I'm ready to retire with Jill. But he said no because he when he says like i believe that this is a battle for the soul of our nation like i 100% believe that he believes that like i i do because he comes across as so genuine and like I don't know. I was thinking about that today around my own like, oh God. And, uh, and then I go into the debate and I'm like, oh, I'm so worried about Joe. And I'm like, oh, is he going to be able to hold up? Is he going to be able to be strong? Is he going to be able? And I'm like, all of these people have told me that this man is weak. This guy at like 78 years old decided like, I got to do it. You know, like, got, Somebody's got to get Trump out and I am the one to do it. And he's like fucking right. He's, he's the, the only, only one.
3: Like if you think not saying he's doing it and up wood. But if you think – as you were talking about that, I was going through who the primaries were. Like if he hadn't run and no one's in his place, it's just whoever – those people that were there, I don't think any of them really could have. Like say now Bernie's up there right now, I don't think Bernie would have. I, I, I hope – I wish he could have. But like I don't know. I don't, I don't know if – I think from a, most people I talk to – like Joe because he's moderate and I I know most young people don't but I do think there are a lot of young people I'm around who do like him because of that they're like I I wouldn't really go for a Bernie or a Elizabeth Warren or whatever um yeah. but I think he did know you're right that cuz he keeps bringing up the Charlottesville and that's when he knew um cuz he probably was like there's no at that point we knew who would start running I think you know you know 2 3 years out probably And I think he was like, there's no one else that that has like, you know, he's he's still like old politics. You know, he's old government where the the older people will still, you know, come out and vote for him.
1: I mean, imagine if Bernie's up there. Look at the Democratic convention. You've got AOC and and the squad and Bernie endorsing him. You've got John Kasich and the Lincoln Party Republicans endorsing him. To your, to your point, Kirk, I mean, there's not another Democrat who was part of the convention, as much as I liked so many of them. And I found things to like in everyone except Tulsi Gabbard. And, you know, Biden really does feel like in 2020 kind of the right candidate and i didn't think that i would ever say that and even i questioned myself as i say that but it just feels kind of true i don't know if you guys feel the same way yeah but. i
3: saw something today that was like on instagram but it was like vote biden so i can vote who i want to vote in a future election like vote biden so there's an opportunity to do that i mean it's super extreme saying meaning if four more years of trump we won't have a democracy which i mean I'm not saying, I mean, I guess could technically sort four of. Four more months, we'll kind see But um, and I thought that was interesting because, like, that's a good way to look at it, too. If you are really not enthused to vote for him, like, okay, vote for him. So you can vote for someone in probably four years, potentially. You know what I mean? Who knows how long he'll want to do this and if, you know, Kamala will do it, whatever. But I think there's that's a good way to look at it, almost, if you are in and the I middle about him.
2: I think something to also consider is the fact that you know, these other, the people who initially ran against Biden for the Democratic nomination ultimately dropped out. And I think that a part of it was, you have to see the writings on the wall that, you know, we are too polarized to just go left and right. And I think um, Bernie Sanders, even Elizabeth Warren, um, to a lot of people were too far left. And I think, Biden is our chance to start capturing the middle. And we could not have gotten that with a more left-leaning politician.
0: Right. Like Trump was going to have the same attacks either way. He was going to call the person, whoever was the nominee, the radical left. He was going to call them in bed with AOC. He was going to call them socialist. And the only candidate on that stage, that it really doesn't work with. I mean, he would have called Pete probably what? Inexperienced little Pete, whatever he was calling him. And we've talked about this before in this podcast, but calling a socialist, yelling socialist at Joe Biden just it's doesn't.
3: Now world. he's a puppet of the socialists. Yeah. He's right. Right. I mean, the Green New Deal kept throwing out there last night. And he's like, I, that's literally not what I'm supporting. I never have. I and know. it's true. Like you can look that yeah. up. And it's like Bernie was, I was listening to him today. He was on Fallon Lat or so he was all around today. Um and he was saying that. He was like, Joe Biden has never accepted that. Like, and I wish he would, but he has it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. AOC had a great tweet about it as well, where I think it was Kellyanne Conway was like, Oh yeah, Joe Biden, this and that. And AOC was like, This is public information. This is not his plan, but this is why I joined the Unity Task Force, not his manifesto, as you called it, you fucking freak.
0: Uh, that... You know, so that we can put our differences aside and come up with a way to combat climate change. Talk about like fucking manifestos. Like how about all the people that wear red hats and put flags on their cars, you know, and and make these giant posters when you drive along the Pennsylvania Turnpike? They make these like shapes out of rocks and like out of grass. They mow the grass to say Trump. There's like all of these like people. Like they talk about this radical, this cult, like that's not the Democratic Party. In many ways, the Democratic Party is a disaster because it's trying to cater to so many
3: people, you know? like it, with, with the signs and everything it's like the only reason we see biden signs now is because there's so many trump signs and people are like oh shit like we need to put them out because like that's not something that ever happened there were no hillary flags in people's front yard it was signs but not there's no boat parades for joe biden like it's just not a thing it's weird
0: it's, <laughs> it's, it's so weird. it's so fucking weird so while we're kind of on this topic of Trump and his supporters, let's let's fully jump into the debate head first. So um my take um after sort of like reading the analysis today and um, sitting on like Twitter for too much today, sitting on Instagram too much today even though I tried to take a break from social media, I think that Joe Biden won this debate or nobody won this debate. (laughs) Like, I, I think, I think like if there, if we need to declare a winner as we do, I would say Joe Biden, but like largely the American people lost, like just on the whole. But my, my thing is I would say like from a debate perspective, performance and substance, I would say Joe Biden.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you, you nailed it. Nobody won. And I think the big thing is this debate did not change anything for anyone. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll bring it up in a, s well, we'll bring it up as further down the line, but, you know, he refused to condemn white supremacy and someone was like, wow, that's so surprising. And I was like, what about Trump's rhetoric makes you think that he would have taken a negative stance against white supremacy? Like, he might be an idiot, but he's at least smart enough not to know to, you know, to alienate his voter base. And I will go on record by saying you cannot, if you vote for Donald Trump, you are fine with racism, which makes you a racist. And that's that on that. But I think that, you know, the people who were in the middle kind of, you know, I think it was 50-50. I think some of them did start to fall towards Joe, but I think the ones that fell towards Trump we kind of like, ooh, look at him! Like he doesn't back down. He keeps going. He keeps going. And I know there was a lot of people reading it as, um, you know, they thought that Chris Wallace was kind of pandering to Joe Biden. Um, which, to an extent, I can see what they're talking about. But on the other side, you, you know, Trump was a squeaky door. So I think. In theory, yes, you could say that Joe Biden won, but if the goal was to sway voters either which way, I just don't think that it was as effective as, quite frankly, Joe Biden just giving a speech saying, this is what I feel. These are all the things that I laid out. And then Donald Trump, at the same time, giving a speech saying, China, no, it's a hoax.
3: It's so ridiculous. You're saying that would have been more effective, right, Erica? Is it yeah, same like, speeches, right? Yeah, yeah. Like
2: if it was yeah. two separate speeches, the effect would probably be more significant,
3: right? And that's why I guess my question for you guys would be, and I don't know, this is unless there is an answer to this, but like going back historically with debates, in my mind, the point of a debate because they're so close to the election is like it's for the people that don't know what they want to do. Like you, you really got to fuck up to get me not to vote for Joe Biden. Like, Joe Biden would really have to do something crazy last night for me not to vote for him. But it's for the people in the middle, like Erica said. And that's why I think if the goal is that, then there was no winner, I guess. But I think the Paul's point of from a debate, you know, from a debate background, which you have, or or just anyone, like he did win because he accomplished some things. I don't know what Trump accomplished. Um, but I, and I, I think, you know, hearing You know trump's up there and do exactly what he does and cater to the base from where he's just a full on asshole to somebody else um this is what i did appreciate from biden was then like two or three moments where he told him to shut up he said keep yapping or whatever he said like again not comparable to what he does but i think in a way i've been saying this for a few months one of my friends we have been talking is like i wish biden honestly would come out and just be like i'm gonna take trump back behind my shed And I'm going to beat him the fuck up. Like, obviously, he'd never say that. But I think Biden will get a lot of people in the middle to vote for him because these are the people, these working class, they call them or whatever you want to say in the middle of the country. That's one of the main reasons they like Donald Trump, I think. It's just because this um, it worked in 2016. I think it's probably still going to work for him is this you know these transgressions and i think you know these gaffes and all that kind of stuff that they like that i hope biden keeps doing because you're not going to lose the michelle obama democratic party where go high like you're not going to vote for trump but if he can do little things like that i think he would win some people over in the middle and make people like i that made me happy that he did that because i'm just like yeah we do have to go high when they go low but sometimes it's like you can't do that forever um and it's incomparable, right? Like he's not going to come out and start being complete douche, but he'll at least get little jabs here and there. Um, so I think he won in that sense too. Don't you
1: love the conservative media clutching their pearls where it's like, oh, but b- 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 Biden told him to be quiet. He called him the worst president ever. Can you believe the hateful rhetoric coming from the radical? Fuck
0: you. <laughs> I know. Preach, preach. I was so frustrated by the fox news coverage of who won the debate they like there was an opinion piece and i can't remember who it was but it talked about performance and style and if we're gonna rank that then of course you know like uh, joe biden or uh, joe biden lost the debate and donald trump won because he really was able to put him in his place i was like the like what? I don't think that he put anybody into his place. He looked like a child. He looked like an infant. He looked like he was whining. He looked like he was mad at Joe Biden for speaking. He looked like he was mad at Chris Wallace for asking questions. He looks like he didn't want to be there. He didn't like he offered no empathy or support for anybody all of the things that we know that donald trump like can never do but still somehow the story the next day because joe biden says shut up one time is like oh the battle was huge they write this it's like it's like joe fought back against you know it's like like but not in a in a good way like one of my friends kirk said a similar thing to me on instagram she was like i wish joe biden would have just said like shut up motherfucker and i was like i don't (laughs) I was like, I was like, 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 I was no, like, I, think, I don't. I yeah. like, I get what she's saying. Yeah. Like, a, a, a snappier
3: retort, other than keep yapping. I was or, happy. I was happy with you that. Though, just to keep yapping. I was I super it was happy Very with different that. for him, and I was like, Dude, yeah. that works for me. But, yeah. but God
0: forbid they covered like Fox News today covered more about. Joe Biden saying shut up and Joe Biden um, saying keep yapping and covering all these little comments, whining about how unfairly Donald Trump was treated. And they said not one thing in any of their headline articles about the Proud Boys comment. And that tells you everything you need to know Mm -hmm. about them. That's what they value. It's like you can't hurt our savior. Also, let's ignore our savior's racism. It's not, so
3: it's not even their savior either, though, because they hate him. I mean, in theory, I feel like all those people talking about on Fox News don't really like him, right? I just think it's their only chance. I don't know.
2: It's so hard. I feel like politics sometimes turns into, like, high school drama where it's like, ooh, like, we're with Donald Trump. And then, like, they turn around and, like, he's a fugly slut. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But it's
0: It's not far from the truth.
2: I mean, it's not. (laughs) But I think, you know, one of the things that really got to me throughout the entirety of the debates was Trump did such a good job of distracting. And that's all he knew he needed to do. Right? Like he knew, like Trump knew that he would be the headline. And I've seen more headlines about Trump then I have Joe Biden, you know, and not that they're good headlines, but Donald J. Trump does not care. A headline to him is a headline. And I think, you know, his voters are the headline type of people Where like, I can, if I were to make up a whole bunch of random headlines, like Joe Biden eats babies for breakfast, which by the way, I'm pretty sure is a legitimate, like conspiracy theory. People- 100%. Did, yeah. And then the body of it was about, like, the importance of, like, Kellogg's Raisin Bran. People would stop at the art, like, the headline. And I think that's really what Trump knew (laughs) that he was driving for. And that's exactly what he got. So I, as much as I wanted to say that Trump is an idiot and Trump is, you know, has the mental capacity of mold on a slice of bread but um he's a very intelligent person in the sense that he knows his voters like the back of his hand probably more than he knows Tiffany well which isn't hard to do but <laughs> oh. I don't <laughs> think he's a voter that's by why Yes, yeah, he's not voting I feel for him no. Melania's not yeah. no Melania can vote right
0: Is she, she hates him Citizen? Yeah, Melania hates him. But I, I was gonna say, I agree with you, Erica. I think the strong point for Trump for me was he has this way of pushing people, right? And like Andrew and I talk about this all the time. It's like like his base, his base of supporters that could easily abandon him if he feels if they feel like he's gonna lose the election. Like if they if they even get a whiff that he has an opportunity to lose, like like I don't necessarily think those people come out in droves. To me, the thing the thing that motivates him. The thing that motivates them to go to the polls is when he pushes people and he owns career politicians. So when he's saying, say law and order, say law and order, say law and order, Joe Biden says it, Trump just keeps yelling, look, he won't even say law and order. He won't even say law and order. And then Biden goes law and order, but with rightful justice, of course. Like, it, But they don't hear that. They literally stop hearing that. All they see when they look at that is oh, man, Joe Biden couldn't even say law and order. He's just, you know, so owned by AOC. He's such a puppet. And that validates them. And I think that that unfortunately does validate some other people too that are like, uh, oh, Biden's just a little weak. He's so wishy-washy. I'd rather go for Trump. I don't like what he says, but he's honest. And I think that that is a strength for Trump because like you said, Erica, he's like smart, but he's dumb. He's I would say he's like calculated, but unintelligent. Like he knows what he's doing, but like... When he does these things, when he talks about like, oh, you're a puppet of the radical left, but and two minutes later, he's saying, oh, you just lost the left. It's like, well, what are you what are you trying to say, Donald? Is he a puppet or is he going against them? Like, there's just there's no rhyme or reason. But I think his base of supporters, like the base base of supporters, that 35% of voters that he's always going to have, they don't care about that reason. They just love to see somebody from Washington get bullied because they feel that Washington is against them. So that's that's what I say as a, as a strength for Trump.
3: I can't believe it's still a thing though. As you were saying that, I'm like, it's like that's something we used to say. We people still say it, but in 2016, like that was the thing, right? And I, I bought it. I was like, okay, that could be the thing. I can't believe that's still the the thing they cling to four years later. After seeing what he hasn't done, and that he's low key just become another person in Washington. So it's like, where, where do you, I don't know? It's very weird that that's still the thing they cling on to.
0: Right, and it, we've talked about that before. It's like, it's like, like these people get fucked over by businessmen all the time and corporations all the time. So like why they make this case to have a businessman in the office makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah. Which we found out this week. Right. What are some other strengths? Like, like um, Ben, did you have one?
1: Yeah. So I think ultimately, if you look at, um, I think when you ask who won the debate, people are going to say the person won the debate is going to be the person that they like, or else they're going to say nobody won the debate. Like I'm not that surprised that generally we think Biden did better than Trump. Um, But if you ask Trump supporters, they're going to say exactly what you said. Like, Biden won't say law and order. He won't say it because that's not what he wants. Um, Trump really thinks, and he's doing a victory lap uh, that he got Joe on saying that on not saying whether or not he would pack the court. And so, I actually think that that was a win for Trump Um, after the after the debate. Kamala Harris was being interviewed, I believe it was on CNN, and they asked her that question directly as well, and she wouldn't answer it. and And they made a point to say, like, okay, we get that you're not answering this, and that's because. There are people in your party, mostly to the left of you, who really think you should pack the court, who feel like you've been done dirty and that this is the way to alleviate that. So I would say that Trump sort of legitimately got him on that one. That is something that they will avoid. That is kind of the, the maybe one and only, I don't know, legitimate win that I would give Trump for yesterday.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a good call. Um, and that re- kind of reminds me of like the collapse of the Elizabeth Warren campaign a year ago, like when she wouldn't give s- enough specifics on her healthcare plan and how she would pay for it. And then it just became a thing. They all went after her and her campaign got ended. It had that sort of like it's not as big because like the Supreme Court doesn't feel as big to a lot of voters as healthcare does, unfortunately, um, even though they are at this point one in the same um so like I but I do I do think that that's one of those things that it reminded me of I don't know that it'll become a huge thing like we'll see but like I, I I'm almost hoping that like or, or not hoping necessarily I'm thinking that like most Americans don't have an understanding of what it means to expand the Supreme Court so like I don't know that that could I don't know if it'll stick it may resonate with some Republican voters, though. But I definitely agree that that, that was a, a a clear win.
1: Conservatives care about the court, though. I and mean, that's definitely somewhere where a lot of sort of more traditional Republicans, pre-Trump McCain Republicans who held their nose and voted for him did so because they want conservative justices on the court. So I think that that the people that I worry about coming to Trump are those that come back to Trump, that held their nose and voted for him. And you might have called them a month ago and they said to the pollster, I'm undecided because they don't like Trump. But guess what? They're going to probably come back to him. That's actually how I think Trump could. That is, I think, his route to reelection is keeping enough of those people um, that, that voted for him before or, or have some sort of similar view and maybe didn't vote before but want conservative justices
0: agreed and that kirk i think that goes back to what you said too it's like how do they still believe this stuff about him how do they still like have yeah. these views of him that he is like a good honest successful person and it's like covid didn't change anything the protests this summer didn't change anything with with the polling i mean specifically right. like nothing disrupted this flow the flow of this race and it's like what fucking moves these people you know like what like what moves them at all so it's just is so interesting um what about what about strong points for for Joe Biden um what are some of the things that that you guys liked about Joe Biden and Andrew we can we can definitely start with you on that one
4: yeah overall it's hard from my position to say oh somebody won or lost because you could look at it from both sides trump supporters are going to look at him and they're going to see Trump and his element for most of it, right? He's He bullied him. He talked over him. And they fucking love that. And he performed. And that's what they wanted to see. They wanted to see a performance. So you could say from that perspective, he won. And then Biden, I think a strength for him is for the most part, he kept his cool. Even when he kind of, quote unquote, lost his cool and said, you know, will you shut up, man, which is like the iconic moment of the whole thing for Biden. There's nobody on the face of the planet that would have not said that in that moment. right? And for the most part, he he stuck to saying what he was there to say. He tried as much as he possibly could to stick to the question that he was asked, to stick to the, the point he was trying to make. And I think, in that regard, he he, as best as anyone possibly could, as best as any of the candidates who might have been the Democratic nominee could, he plowed through when the th- shit was very thick.
3: At, and I think it's I think what he did was he let, and again, Trump supporters to to Ben's point, like Trump supporters are going to love what he did regardless. But I think he let Trump be a fool. He didn't really, you know, he didn't like stop him from being a fool. He let him be a fool, but then also was able to get his points across to a degree when he could. I really liked that he was able to. I don't think Trump did this once, from when we can go back and look, but I'm never going to go back and look at this. Is um, when he he looked at the he looked and spoke to the American people like a bunch of times. Biden did, and Trump didn't do that once. Um, and that might sound corny or whatever. I think some people are like who cares with that, but I think that does speak a lot that he was able, given all of what Trump was constantly in his ear as he was speaking, he was able to like look into the camera and speak um to the people, um, which is the point, obviously, of, of the debate. I think that was a strong um a win for him. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. It
1: was. And it's 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 Biden showing that he sees the American presidency as not a way to uplift yourself, but has to be a, a steward of that office for for the American people, right? And we know Pod Save America guys talk about this all the time. One of the best arguments against Trump is that Trump says Trump first, America last. That is what he thinks. That is what he believes. And if Biden can look you in the eye, you know, and say, how many of you are missing, uh, you know, have an empty chair around your kitchen table, right? Uh, how many of you lost somebody due to COVID or out of work? That's so much more meaningful than then Trump just speaking over him.
0: I totally agree. And I, I feel like that that to me was was Biden's strength, is when he could connect with the audience, even when there was still another voice. And I feel like that that moment to me of like when you feel like somebody sees you, talks to you, and is like, I'm I'm here for you, but you still hear that noise yelling. Like, that is how I have felt for the last four <laughs> years. Whether it was like, you know, um, when Elizabeth Warren announced her campaign eight years in advance, uh, like basically after Trump was reelected from like the Women's March, you heard like all of the women yelling and all of the women screaming and all of the women protesting, but you still heard Trump in your ears. And then it became like Pete Buttigieg and then it became Elizabeth and then it was Bernie. And then here we are with Biden. And I was like, he Trump is still there and Trump will continue to be there. But someone is still trying to talk to me and affirm that like we can move forward as a country. And so that's not necessarily like a I, I think like it's it's not necessarily a strong point, and like I know that we say like Joe Biden's not a savior. It's not about Joe Biden. Last night I felt like he was because I was so exasperated and so overwhelmed, like with Donald Trump. And I think those human moments where he talks about his son and he talks about how he lost one son and then his other son has struggled with drug and alcohol abuse, you know. On one hand, and I said this in the Instagram live I did last night, you have Trump claiming credit for almost like beating the opioid crisis, and then you have, on the other hand, him mocking a former vice president's son who served in the military who has drug and alcohol issues. Pick who you want to be, man. Like, and I, I, I hope, I hope that that can resonate with people because, like if you were a president who understood how complicated the opioid epidemic it was and is, you know, for people like you would never shame somebody who has a son or a family member or a spouse who has struggled with drug abuse. Like to me, it just is like it. it's so disgusting, but I think it's so strong for Joe Biden because he can defend his family way more than Donald Trump can defend his methed out children on the fucking Fox News, like foaming
3: at the mouth, you know, to talk about owning the libs. I was so nervous that Biden was gonna not could he would never do this, but Biden could have been like, Well, what about your kids? And not been like they not that they have drug problems because it seems that they might, but that's also that's their issue. But none of them served. Like stuff like that. He could have just like thrown his family under the bus, but he didn't need to do that because he could say yeah, my kid did have a cocaine addiction and he beat it, and he's been very apparent about it. And so do a lot of Americans. Like, it was a perfect answer, I think.
1: Yeah, he turned it around and made it relatable, which was yeah.
3: huge.
4: I think it really shows a big contrast between the two of them and how funny it is that, you know, one of the big points that Trump supporters have for him is that he's so real man he just he just gets it he's just like a real guy well he's not and you can see that last night where he's never genuine nothing he says or ever does is genuine he's always playing a character the only thing that he was ever genuinely successful at in life is being a reality TV star that's what he should have just been as a person that's that should have he should have just been Trump the reality TV star and he would have been fine and none of this shit would have happened because that's who he is. He was just, he's always playing a character and to see those moments from Joe Biden where, you know, he does get, he did get frustrated and he snapped back, but that was in a way that it was like, you, you can relate to him and you could tell that it was very genuine frustration, not because he was just trying to like get one in on trump and score points but it was like hey we're not here for what you're you're doing right now we're here to you know make our points about our platform and answer the questions and then also in those moments where you know it's really shitty for trump to attack his kids and there may or may not be some validity to criticizing hunter biden but certainly not on the debate stage and certainly not for his his drug abuse problems and his his addiction problems. Um and, you know, the second Trump brought up Bo, that was like Biden shut that down immediately. And those yeah. are just those real human moments. You could see that he's a genuine person and and Trump is just just
0: not. You don't know who Trump is. And Trump was like, oh God, which Which, which son, you know, like Trump was like, did I just, did I just insult the dead one? Like, it was like, it was like, oh, I I did the thing I wasn't supposed to do. You know, like it it really was wild to watch that. But Erica, were you going to say something?
2: I think one of the things that stood out for me personally um, throughout the entirety of the debate was just the demeanor that Biden was able to keep whilst, you know, like I think Trump said some things that were relevant and were truly dings against Biden. And he would, you know, nod and say, okay, I'm going to keep listening. And then Trump would like almost, as soon as he makes a point, he almost immediately refutes it or makes it irrelevant. But, you know, you could tell, I think there's two types of listeners. There's people who listen to talk and people who listen to listen. And I saw a lot of moments of Joe Biden truly just listening. And Quite frankly, if you can listen to Donald Trump and process whatever nonsense he's spewing, um, you can listen to your constituents because I don't care what anyone says. Presidents are public servants. And I think Joe Biden has shown time and time again that he is willing to, you know, serve this like serve the public and Donald Trump at every single turn every single corner you can look at his career from top to bottom not once has he done something to the for the public that didn't benefit his pocketbook
0: totally agree yeah
1: i think one of the one of Biden's best moments in the debate and it got overlooked and honestly i think Trump on his side had a good line was on this issue of race, and this is where Biden showed how empathetic he is. And one of Biden's great um, characteristics as a politician and as a human is that he really does see the best in people, and he sees other people, and he seeks to empathize with other people. You always hear about him calling people who have lost a loved one, right? So for me, it was Biden said, you know, the question was about racial injustice and uh you know trump's railing about racial sensitivity training is racist and crap like that i know and but but biden said look there is racial insensitivity he said and and i'm paraphrasing people need to be made aware of what other people feel like we don't want to hurt other people's feelings kind of like how trump and his friends look down on irish catholics like me and people from scranton people who don't have money people who are a different color And what I was thinking as someone who works in education is what about the kids who are growing up and this is the America that they know, right? I mean, we grew up in Bill Clinton's America and George W. Bush's America and Obama's America. And for whatever we like and don't like about those people, they respected the country. They respected each other. They, uh, you know, and, and Trump just absolutely doesn't. And I thought that that was such a shiny moment for Biden that that. That doesn't get enough attention, uh, but but I think was really, really strong for him.
0: I think so too. Yeah, they were polling, you know, some of those undecided voters. I know we were sharing the tweets, like they were polling the undecided voters on Zoom and just like the things that they were saying about Biden, he was presidential, he was calm, he did better than expected, he was relaxed, he was good under pressure, like that, that type of stuff, I think is is really strong, because everybody knows that that's how Trump is. And now everybody saw it, whether you like it or not. Like, that's a good reaction for a lot of undecided voters to have, like, so I, I hope, you know, that they stay in that camp as they watch more debates too, um, you know, because I, I think that Joe Biden had some really strong parts. Um, what about some of the the weak points for Trump? So, um, I I mean, to me, like, and again, I, I, I try to remove as much as my bias out of this as possible. But like, for me, if I'm, and again, put myself as somebody who's undecided, if I were sitting there looking at that, I just stop talking, shut up, like, like, what are you saying? And if you're somebody who's even somewhat in tune with politics, like you just want to be like, aren't there rules here? Like, let the guy speak. Like it just like that to me was his biggest weak point um, in, in general. But one of the things that like, again, it's just flipping things back. He can't ever talk in detail about policy and substance and what the things he would do. And Pod Pod Save America uh, called this out too as I was prepping for this. So they specifically like Biden attacked him on his COVID response and was saying like, he's not smart enough to handle the COVID response. And rather than Trump try to defend his COVID response, which is very difficult to do. And even the Fox News article that I read today said that, um, Donald Trump immediately said, "Oh, you think I'm not smart? You don't even know where you graduated school from. You graduated last in your class." And like I just I view that as a weak point, not because it's not like a good one-liner. Like like, like that's a that's a great thing to throw into a debate. Like, and, and just be like, come on, this guy's not even smart. Like, he graduated last in his class. Let's not go there with this. Like, it just, number, like, like I can see that being a headline that the media would latch on to. But, like, I, for me, like, a couple reasons that, like, that particular comment frustrates me is, number one, it was a, in a response to attack, to an attack about COVID-19, where $7 million people have been infected and 200,000 over 200,000 have died. And so for you to just immediately turn it and make it around like Joe Biden's record, then you tell him he's so old, like, do his grades in college really matter 47 years later? You know, like, is that really what we should be talking about right now? It seems like totally ridiculous, like from that sense. And then from the other sense of it, like, I talk about, like, you, you don't even know where you graduated from, you graduated last in your class, like, Trump has never released his college transcripts. He didn't even and, take his own SAT. <laughs> right. Like,
3: <laughs> the whole I don't think Biden to be like a C average. You can't be last if you have a C average.
0: No, was like, like degrees, 500 baby. out of 700. Like, yeah. okay, is he a shining star? Like, no, it's just like and this, this type of stuff, like this type of stuff just makes me hope that America see this as weak points for Trump is that. He can't talk about COVID because, you know, he can't defend it. He immediately turns it into a personal attack against somebody for their level of intelligence. And then that was one of the things that was most Googled the day of uh, this morning, the day after the debate. But people were Googled, Googling. I did it myself. Joe Biden's Biden uh, college records. Yeah. And like now overall, Like Joe Biden dominated 66% of the total Google searches and Donald Trump had like 35 and then it was like whatever was left in the middle or 34, whatever was left in the middle. Um, But like that to me was a really good sign that people were like, oh, I'm Googling about Joe Biden, whatever that was. You know, it's good that more people want to know about him rather than like just stuff about trump so when trump brings this stuff up you're probably like what is he talking about why is he talking about this you're learning maybe a little bit about joe biden but it's just like the first thing you see when you google joe biden is this link that pops up it says paid for by donald trump and it says barely yeah. and it's just like like to me i just hope that this is seen as a weak point for trump because i see it as a weak point it just feels to me so like disgusting, that he can't take ownership of anything related to COVID, and then um, he, he, you know, immediately makes it personal. So sorry, Andrew, that was really long-winded.
3: I think the other weak point of the COVID um, situation is, and this is what he's used, this isn't this wasn't new to, to the debate, this is something he uses all the time, is this, um, he, he, when he's asked about COVID in America, he immediately talks about democratic cities, and they're the ones with all the deaths, and democratic-run cities or they're the ones with this, which is not even true, but that's what it is. So it's, he removes himself from that part. Of, so he's acknowledging, yeah, there are these deaths and we did have, uh, 7 million people infected, but it's really just in places that I have nothing to do with because I'm not a Democrat when you do have to deal with it. Cause you're the fucking president of the United States, not the president of the red States or the red places. Um, and that's what I think is, I, I, I don't know if it is a negative for people who are Republicans. I don't know. But if I'm in the middle, I'm thinking, like, I live in a blue state or blue city, and I might not be blue, but, like, I don't matter to him because I live in Philadelphia. Um, I think it's something that he keeps using. It's really interesting because he could, if he really wanted the whole country's numbers to go down, he could enact a national mass mandate if he believes that would do it or whatever it is, like, and that would happen in every red or blue area. Um, But I think that's a a negative when he continues to talk about Democratic run things, Um, because I've never heard a president do that. I think it's really interesting. And um, and I think Biden has mentioned, you know, if I win, I'm the president of all people, even people that don't like me. I think that's a a hard thing to say, but that's why it's a hard thing to be president. So like Donald Trump shouldn't be president and like I shouldn't be president because I might be like Donald Trump and be like, fuck these people in Pennsylvania who don't want to (laughs) support me. But you have to. That's your job. Yeah, very true. That's a good Ari point. All right, Pennsylvania, if we've any listeners.
0: <laughs> I bet you we have some good gays in Central yeah. Pennsylvania that are just like thrilled that we recognize that they're there and they probably want to get out. You have a spot in Phoenixville when this pandemic is over. Other weak points um for for Trump. For me like everything that's
4: already been said, like yeah, the obvious thing is is the fact that he would not have let biden speak at all um had christopher wallace not jumped in a little bit or biden not pushed back like he would have just talked for 90 straight minutes um and that's the obvious one but but for me the two moments that really stood out is the white supremacy moment when that question was initially asked and also the moment where he thought he had fucked up and was actually talking about Bo instead of hunter those two moments you could see that he had let something get away from him. And it was, it was very telling that this is a man who's really not that much in control. He's not that much in control of himself. He's certainly not very much in control of his government or his own administration. I mean, how many people have come and gone in that administration? It's a revolving door of bullshit. What was a strength for Biden is just pushing him just a little bit could get him that unbalanced and that is why i feel like you know it doesn't matter what your politics are but that should be kind of a wake up call like is that the person that we want running this country somebody who is in has that thin thread of control over themselves and over what they're doing that one little slip up almost brings the whole thing down
2: he refused to denounce white supremacists specifically the proud boys which Uh, for those of you who don't know it's a pretty new um neo-nazi group and i think it's all men i believe as well which makes sense proud boys um but i think donald trump had the opportunity to kind of ease some of the people in the middle who are like "Mm, i really don't like trump and I don't like democratic policies, So that's why I'm voting for Donald Trump. But I don't feel that great about it. Like the people who were kind of like, I hate Trump, but I could you know, work with his policies. Um, I think that he had that opportunity to kind of recapture those people and say like, oh, yeah, like his policies are OK, but and. You know, he said some off-color things in the past, but at least he's not completely racist, and he just completely dropped the ball on that. Um, and I agree with Andrew. You could tell that he had this, like, fuck moment where he was like, I can't backtrack on that. I cannot fix that. Because I'd say his absolute biggest weakness as a crusty human being is the fact that he is afraid to backtrack. He will not correct what he said in the moment. He will say something today, and then he'll say something completely different two weeks from now, and then he'll say something completely different three weeks from now. Um, And there have been, I don't know, a lot of his supporters claim that he has denounced white supremacy in the past. I'm still looking for it. Maybe he has. I don't fucking know. Um, You would think that, you know, calling for the execution of five young children uh, in the New York times would have been a tell enough for people. But um, I I really think that he truly shot himself in the foot on that. And yes, I'm sure he has plenty of supporters who will not care, but he was, he was never going to lose those supporters. I think he lost a lot of people in the middle who were, kind of setting aside their morals to vote for trump and now it's like damn i don't even know if i could do that at this point um because every single black person in this country has already know that donald trump is a supporter of white supremacy but i think now it's like you cannot argue to me that he is anti-white supremacy and anti-racist and i think that is where he really shot himself in the Also, you know, almost talking bit about a a dead service member of and also the deceased child of his opponent was pretty rough, too.
0: A little rough. Yeah. The thing is, like, he has he has condemned white supremacy. Like but like like he's done it in speeches. Right. Like he's done it in these like passing interviews. Mm -hmm. And when he denounces them. He's like, uh, I'm, you know, I, I, I I like it's like a, everybody, you know, like, like, a, I don't want hate anywhere. I don't want to hate this. I don't want hate that. It's not it's 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 not like this, like we've never seen him denounce these things and then take any action on them. You know,
4: his first gut a reg- softball of a question it was a oh, straightforward it so question. I don't think
3: that- ever been asked like the way he was asked. And that's why I've seen people say, which is when in the moment I was on board with everything that you guys were saying, being like, he denounced, he didn't denounce. I still believe he didn't denounce it, but there are people who are picking like the first three words he said, which like, sure, sure. Of course, sure. What do you want me to say? Sure, sure. And that sure was enough for them. I think will be enough for some people who will be like, he said it. He just said the proud boys. And like, they don't know what the fuck the proud boys are. So they're going to play dumb and be like, I don't even know what that is. Like, that's not a white supremacy group. That's just one little group that, and he's, I think, I don't, I don't think he's, he hasn't backtracked, but I do think, and we'd have to, I don't know how true this is, but he did say something about the Proud Boys today, I think. I don't know if He said he doesn't
1: know who they are. Who they are.
3: are. Yeah. They run around with Trump shit. He knows anyone that has Trump shit. Like, if I had a I mean, Trump flag on my roof, he would know me. Like, he knows everyone that likes him. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think that's true. But um, I think that for me, and I, I said this to Paul and Erica last night, I'm, I'm done, like, done with anybody, so anyone I know is listening to this, you're voting for Donald Trump, I'm done. Like, I've been saying this for months, whatever, but I'm, like, really done because there's nothing now you can say to, be like, oh, he isn't racist. Like, the dude is, like, period, and so are you. It's no longer this, um, I, there was this one meme going around all summer that's, like, it's not that all Trump support or people who voted for Trump are racist. They just, it's not a game changer. It's They care more about other things than racism now I think it is like you are somewhat racist and just own it at this point, because if you're able to vote for this dude after what he just said, and in my opinion, he's been saying this for four years, but this was a clear cut answer and he couldn't do it. And then asked for a hate group to stand by and be on like lock or on deck to, to help him when he needs help. Um, is enough for me to be like, you don't care and you're gonna vote for Donald Trump and we're done. Like I I think I think there needs I know people are like, you can have different political views, but this is for me is like it's no longer different political views. It is you're a bad person or you're not. And it's not you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, because there are great Republicans that won't vote for him. And you can be that. That's why I wish people could understand that. Like you can still be a great Republican and vote for Joe Biden. My friend just Snapchatted me her filling out her um ballot which I, i'm not gonna say the person's name obviously but she's like i voted for joe biden and she's never voted for democrat before like she's like fuck this like we're not gonna do this anymore so i hope more people do that because um otherwise there's gonna be a civil war but that's just my thought
0: i i like i totally agree and like i i think like like g- giving a speech on a sp- excuse me giving a speech on race giving a um you know like like t- being a president and talking about racism no president is going to get up there and say like racism is is a good thing you know but in a presidential debate after a summer of nationwide worldwide protests You get a softball question like that and you still can't deny it. That's the problem. It doesn't matter what you said in 2019. Like you've been you. The first thing that he did was say it's 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 Antifa. It's Antifa. It's Antifa. I think that they're worse. And it's like, no, no, no. The question was, will you tell them to stand down? And he said, stand down and stand by. Like that is just a total. He totally botched it. He totally botched it. And and. It it wipes out a significant portion of his record previously, to me, of anything that he has said on record. Because there's there's basically an account that's just like mine that I'll show you guys after this. And I've been trying to stay in tune with the things that they say and share. Um they basically just like create different versions of infographics, but they're pro-Trump. So they've they have these clips of him saying stuff and all this stuff, but it's again. None of it's in 2020. None of it's after.
3: Yeah, he says the same thing real quickly. He says the same thing about. um, I mean, in the town hall when he it's all race related. When he's asked about um, this past summer and everything going on, he the way he did last night where he talked about Antifa and the radical left, he always says, "But the police, I love the police, and we have to support our police." He just goes straight to the police when the question, right? Nothing. It might even be about protests police brutality. It just might be systemic racism. And he just starts talking about the police. He's so afraid to talk about it because whether he, whatever he believes or not, he's doesn't want to fuck up that his base with him saying something that makes it look like he does support black people or does even believe there's a race problem. He doesn't believe there's a race problem because his supporters don't and therefore he can't. So I think that that's, that is enough for me too paired with what he said last night to prove that I don't care if one time in an interview, he said White supremacy is bad. Like right. bad. And, and and he's on tape with Bob Woodward saying
0: uh when, when Bob Woodward asks him about white privilege, he's he's saying, You're really drinking the Kool-Aid, man. That's right. literally what he says to him. Yeah.
1: I think it's such a good comparison between Joe Biden, who's willing to have empathy, who's willing to look at people with different experiences than he's had, and Trump who's just not. And If I can throw it way back to our introduction, um, Erica, when you were talking about feeling like you were being emotional online when you were sharing your experience with people who only saw it through their sort of white perspective, I think that those people, Trump is representing the worst of that. And in fact, for, for white people like myself who are simply not going to have those experiences, I can have all the data, I can have all the intelligence in the world. That just makes me fucking Ben Shapiro right? But (laughs) to to, to hear people's experiences, to have a sense of empathy, that is what I think brings on wisdom, right? And Biden is able to have that. Biden's not Black, but he can at least try to empathize with the Black experience. And Trump just refuses to do so. Yeah,
0: that's good. Um, Other things that that you guys want to say or share um, before we jump into to
3: Biden's weaknesses? One thing I do, I think that makes more sense with this, with his weaknesses. It, it's not his weakness, but you mentioned, I just wanted to um, kind of level the playing field. You mentioned the Frank Franklin's focus group, right? I think you did. And what they said after, but um, undecided voters, um, what they took away from it. And you read the Biden ones. I just want to read the three Trump ones, because um, I think they fit into his weakness for them. It was arrogant anti-American and crackhead was what yes. was pulled out of his. So I think everyone needs to know that that's what undecided voters thought of him in that focus group.
0: hundred percent. Yeah, that's a good call. Let's talk about Joe Biden's weaknesses and maybe um, what he needs to do next time. Um, and maybe, uh, you know, what uh, Kamala Harris needs to do. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about that. Cause I think um, it'll be really important um, again, we're not experts, we're not debate strategists, but what are things we're sort of hoping to see from from Biden that we didn't see this time that that were his weaknesses? like what would give us more confidence to be able to come on this podcast in another week and be like, yeah, Joe Biden nailed that second debate, that town hall style, you know like but so what are some of the things that you feel like are weaknesses then and what would you like to see him do differently? Um, who wants to start? I'll start
2: um, I think. I would not say that this is his weakness, but I think, and I know that they're talking about um, making changes to the format of the debate. I think that Joe Biden has to be concise only because if he doesn't get the most, if he doesn't get the meat of it out within the first 30 seconds, it's not going to, even 15 seconds, it's not going to get heard. And I think the issue that I have, and it might just be a personal thing, but when two people are talking at the same time, especially like two just like old white men, my brain is like, girl, you need to take a seat. Like This conversation isn't for you. So I think if, if Biden can get to the crux of it um, within those first 15, 20 seconds, do the classic Donald Trump single line and then... If at least I can get to the bulk of what he, of his stance, and I'll more than likely miss some of the additional information due to Donald Trump, but I think if we can start out strong, and then if we miss a few things on the other side, we miss a few things on the other side, but I think the informed voter, the person who wants to become an informed voter... Will continue to research and read on past it, then I think we can get somewhere with the debates. But if he, you know, takes too much time to try to get it across, Trump is going to suppress it every single time.
0: Agreed. I feel like if he starts with an insult to Trump, Trump's going to jump in. If he starts maybe first with himself, Trump is less likely to jump in. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'd have to rewatch last night and I'm not going to put myself through that pain. Right. <laughs> And the next debate, is it, is the next debate town hall, right? Yeah, the next debate is, the, well, the next debate is the uh, vice presidential right, one, no, and then the one after that is town hall.
3: So they can't, I feel like it's harder to speak over each other. And I know they're putting in like new rules or something, which is just crazy that the president is so unhinged, they have to put in new rules for a debate. Um, but I a, think bipartisan,
0: can, a bipartisan group has to put in new rules because they know. recognize it was a shit yeah. show.
1: I mean, I think some of the weak points for Biden, we've we've already touched on. And um, Eric, I think that your your point was was really good. That if he can, you know, you've got such a short window of time before this guy's just going to jump in and and step all over you. Um, so I think, you know, similar to other things, I think that if you went in thinking that Biden was weak, then you're going to think that Biden looked weak because Trump. Kind of walked all over him with talking, um, and if if you you know if you don't think that, then you'll think that Trump looked like a jerk the entire time. So I could definitely see Biden come off coming off as looking a little bit weak. Um, I think that Biden, in a couple places, you can argue, and certainly the, the the Fox News articles argue that he gave in to Trump's pushing, and therefore Trump was successful. I have seen Biden give in in Democratic debates prior, and that was a one out of 10. In fact, knowing Biden and studying Biden, he exhibited a lot of personal restraint and he did not come off, in my opinion, as an old, angry white guy. Um, I don't think that he came off as angry. In fact, I think he was quite, um, quite deliberate with his words. And the times where he exhibited anger were absolutely appropriate, uh, pointing at Trump and saying, you know, my son was a patriot, my son was not a loser or a sucker, those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, that's, that's like, I I totally agree with that. Like, I I feel like, those th- those democratic debates those especially those early ones when he was the front runner run, runner standing in the middle and they just danced circles around him and he was righteous and he was indignant and he was offended and he would yell and it was like who's this crotchety old man in the middle of the stage when they, we have these amazing stars all around him you know of course you know like a star only burns first <laughs> for a limited amount of time uh but but you know like i feel yeah like yes there were pieces that got to him. Yes, there were pieces where he looked exasperated and tired. And I think that he looked he rolled his eyes, I'm sure, a couple of times, you know, like it but but we saw a very restrained Joe Biden, I think, compared to what we saw this time a year ago. Um, the guy who was like didn't even seem like he wanted to be there and gave the shortest answers in the world. Now, I think to Erica's point, I would love to see him give some of those short direct answers, maybe a jab at Trump here and there, but if it's a jab, make it a, make it, make it a jab. That's going to be in the headlines the next day, you know, like make it, make it be something like Kamala is really good at that. And I'm so excited to see what she does with those. She loves, she loves grabbing those headlines, but I, you know, I think, um, To me, to me, that'll be something that'll be really exciting to see if he can give more succinct answers. And then with the debate change rules, if he'll have a chance to explain, um, you know, himself a bit. Andrew, anything of your
4: side? It's tough for me to pick out a moment of weakness. I think it took him, um, you know, a question or two to really warm up. I, I felt like he was shaky in the beginning just on that first question. But then once he kind of realized how the quote unquote debate was going to go, I think he realized that he needed to knuckle down and he really kind of came alive. And from there on out, he was pretty good, but it's hard to judge his performance because you couldn't really see a lot of it. He spent most of the time trying to just talk. So again, like, you know, in some regards, that's sort of a win for Trump. I don't think it's a win for Trump, but people will certainly see it that way. You know I mean, I have an older brother, and i I remember being kids, and we would get into some altercation when we were young and then when my mother would come into the room and be like, "What are you doing?" You know, my brother who started it, would talk over me the whole time and say, "No, it was Andrew, it was Andrew." um and it was i feel like it was the same thing with trump where he's like that older brother and if he just doesn't let you talk he won't get in trouble exactly so i <laughs> think
0: such a good analogy <laughs> it's it
4: it's so hard to judge biden's performance against him i i think he did really well with what he had but you just couldn't see him actually debate and give a performance yeah trump stole it from him and we need a button <laughs>
0: i know yeah i just we've needed that mute button for so long haven't we yeah
1: (laughs) yes yes i think everybody is like we've always said this and now that we have a a baby president that we just know like that we need it so bad
0: agreed um so what are you guys hoping to see in kamala what do you guys what do you guys want out of the kamala harris mike pence debate what are the what are the I wanna I wanna see hellfire. Like I, I wanna see I want to feel Mike Pence shit his pants.
4: <laughs> I want to see that old white misogynist not know what the fuck to do when he's up against a woman one on one.
2: I often yeah. think it's like the blandest man in America versus like a this beautifully ethnically diverse woman who has an extensive career with dealing with all types of different characters and individuals and I just think that Kamala especially with her background in law and just looking at you know her political resume ignoring a couple not so great things that we've all already acknowledged probably a million times I think that Kamala can come in with fire to um you know, why did I forget Pence's name for a second? Because he's planned.
3: He's <laughs> just so boring. Yeah, he's just planned. Mike, yeah. like, how many white guards are named Mike? Sorry, Mike.
2: It's literally fire versus like, I don't even fucking know. Like, industrial sand maybe.
4: Yeah, but yeah. industrial sand is very useful.
2: I know. That's <laughs> true.
3: Yeah. I would like to see her like prosecute. Like, man, she's obviously the best thing at, right? So get up there and like do that and, and prosecute the case against Donald Trump and Mike Pence. I think, I don't know. I think it's, I, I don't see a world where he speaks much. I I, I don't think she's going to pull a Donald Trump, obviously, and speak over him, but I just can't. I don't know. I honestly don't know what his voice sounds like. So I'm interested to, to be reminded of that. I don't know. I, I think there's too much to look forward to with her. I think this is her debate to lose. Um, and I don't know how he's getting... Pre- I did see a funny joke that was like, how is he going to... Um, is his wife going to have to go up on stage with him? Because is his wife not allowed to... He has to be in the same room with his wife when he speaks to a woman. Like, wasn't that <laughs> Yeah,
1: and he calls his wife mother.
3: Yeah, so I wonder if she'll stand there with her.
0: It's a real fucking thing. That's a real I it. thing. I know. I think one thing that I'm really excited to see how how it happens is like, how does Kamala Harris attack Donald Trump through Mike Pence? Because Mike Pence, in many ways, uh, like a lot of vice presidents, it's just sort of inconsequential. We don't hear about him, right? Like she can attack his record. Everybody knows that he has a horrible stance um, on queer rights. He has a horrible track record with uh, supporting patients with HIV AIDS. But how does she position Mike Pence, who was the coronavirus czar or whatever they called him, the leader of the task force, is she going to go right the fuck after him and also Donald Trump by talking about he put you in charge and what happened, you know, like, is that what we're going to see? I would love to, but I don't know. Do people remember that Mike Pence was overseeing it? Like, again, that was only really for a month and it was kind of just press conferences. Um, But I just, that'll be interesting to me too, like of how, you know, how does she attack somebody who really hasn't made any news at all? Um, but obviously his counterpart has. So you attack the administration, you attack Trump. But I'm, I'm just curious to see how she does it, because I think it can get a little boring if it's sort of Kamala Harris like bashing on Mike Pence. Or bashing on Donald Trump via Mike Pence, like I could get a little, that could be a little stale for me. I think like if she sounds a little bit too rehearsed with her attacks, but I think like if if she can like find a way to go after him and get him spinning, like that's just great press for Biden. You know, like that's just that's just more confidence that she's the right choice, right? Like, yeah, I, I agree. Oh, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, sorry. I I would
4: love for her to find out. What has Pence been doing for the last three and a half years? Does anybody know?
2: No,
3: no. The absolutely covered. Sorry, go ahead, Kirk. I was yeah. saying I think I didn't think about this until you said that, but I think she could do a lot of damage with the bring up of the coronavirus and him being, um, you know, the lead of that. I think that'd be really smart. I hope they're thinking of that.
4: Yeah, because that's the but really yeah, like, the only thing. Yeah, that's the only well, thing that, I can think of over the stuff. last.
3: Time. I think he'll, he'll, he'll probably bring that up because it's easy too. But other than that, I can't think of anything that he's like identified with. Like, what do you think about with him? I don't know.
1: I want to go back and watch the Mike Pence Tim Kaine debate. I don't even remember what happened. I have no idea. It seems so unremarkable. I, yeah, I think
0: so. That's a good thing. That's a good action step for the end of this. We is sure that that. Should watch that. Yeah. yeah, we should break we like down that Tim debate. I forget. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's all right. Yeah. So I think with the with the Mike Pence, Kamala Harris debate, I mean, one thing is it, it will be a normal debate, right? Like it, it might be fiery. It probably will be at some points. But I think we have to remember like anything compared to Donald Trump or even 12 Democrats on one stage together is going to look like a fairly normal, potentially debate. I think that she's going to come out and her goal is to be is going to be to prosecute the case against them. And I think that coronavirus, to your all's points with Mike Pence heading up that that failed part of the Trump administration, and that is really the only thing he has to show. And that's really the only thing people think of him about in the Trump administration. I think that that's the case she's going to prosecute. And then that also brings me to my concern with that debate is that she will be by the right, and, and this could be uh, influential to those people in the middle who might hold their nose and vote for Trump, be cast as an angry black woman, right? Because she is tough and she, you know, she, there's reason to be angry at Mike Pence. And so I, I really worry. Uh, I really worry about that. I hope that she's had some good prep. Uh, Paul and I were talking about this. I think earlier today. I know it's in the news, but a friend of mine who works for who works for the Pete Buttigieg campaign told me that Pete Buttigieg is the stand-in to pretend to be Mike Pence in Kamala Harris's debate prep. They're both from Indiana, uh, so <laughs> that brings me so much joy. And they're honestly okay. I love Pete. Meaner, like I can see Pete acting out a decent Mike Pence. And I, want- I wonder if you his hair. Well, I mean, is Mike Pence, you know, closeted like him? And- <laughs> no.
3: I hate that because argument. I'm just kidding. You have so heard it homophobia. here first.
1: How could he be straight? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Being that we are from Philadelphia or we have lived in Philadelphia, some of us take it a little personally when the president of the United States tells us that bad things happen here. Number one, we agree, but.
2: (laughs) PolitiFact said that that is in fact true.
0: (laughs) PolitiFact has confirmed that Philadelphia is a trash city, but he doesn't get to be the one that says that. So I would like us to each offer a hot take around the bad things that happen in philadelphia not if they happen everybody who listens to this podcast knows that already you could see any headline in the news or you just ask somebody what do you think about philly and there's no positive response it is either surprised that it wasn't as bad as they thought uh it's basically the same reaction to the debate or it's like that was, it was a total train wreck <laughs> Uh, so, um, any thoughts or any comments on the uh, bad things happen in Philadelphia remarks by um,
3: the occupant of the White House? I think the interesting part is I I remember just hearing that and being like, but I went back and read like why he was saying it, and at first it's like, oh, what's well, a fake fake news story about poll watchers? And you know, um, the quote itself is as you know today there was a big problem in Philadelphia. They went in to watch. They're called poll watchers. They're very safe, very nice. They were thrown out, is what he said. And then he says, you know why? Because bad things happen in Philadelphia, bad things. So I kind of appreciate that he was talking about the poll watcher situation. That was not real. But then also it was just like, because it's fucking Philadelphia and bad things happen there, including this. Because I keep seeing it everywhere. People just thinking he just said there are bad things in Philadelphia. It was about something. Um, but then like it also wasn't about something. It was very weird. And I feel like he's come for Philly before a few other times. Um, so he just must have some disdain for it. Um, Alpine Steeler Erica's joke that she made on social media about the only bad things that have happened in Philadelphia are at Lincoln Financial Field, um, where the Philadelphia Eagles play, which I thought was funny because they, they aren't playing that well right now.
2: My favorite bad thing that happened in Philadelphia was this was years ago. There was this like hitchhiking robot that like crossed the <laughs> country and it made it from like the west coast to Philadelphia and <laughs> some probably some kids from Delco in their Eagles jersey beat shit out of this robot and, like it was like some Canadians who made it and they're like oh it's okay it's just like the most Philadelphia bullshit I ever heard I venture to say though if it survived Philadelphia, the next level, would, like, <laughs> the boss of the video game was most certainly Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Philadelphia has no respect for technological ingenuity, like, whatsoever. It was such a feat that that little robot made it all the way. And then it just tried to pick up a Delisandro stakes, and it got rocked. <laughs> like,
3: it <was laughs> I haven't thought about that. Like, that was back here. For a while. Yeah. Not very like I remember it vividly. <laughs> that was deep. Thanks, Erica. It's <laughs> a deep cut. Oh man, that was good. So
1: I think bad things happen in Philadelphia is the next like gritty mascot, where it first comes out and everyone in Philly is like, yo, what are you saying? Like you can't say that about our city. And when gritty comes out, they're like, What is this abomination? And everyone's like, I hate it. But then like 24 hours later, I am looking at so many bad things happen in Philadelphia. T-shirts and wristbands and hats. And so, so quickly, Philly is like gritty as our abomination. And I feel like Philly knows bad things happen in Philly. And so this is, you're going to see it on flags. And uh, everyone's just going to adopt bad things happen in Philadelphia.
0: There's there's a music video being made. That's oh, absolutely. Yeah.
3: Always Sunny in Philadelphia Always, already did something. It was hilarious. Oh, yeah.
0: of course they did. Yeah. That's funny because I'm pretty sure like Conrad, who was our last guest, he had a very legitimate like reaction. I think he yeah. was pretty frustrated by what <laughs> they were saying. We should pull that up and then we should let him know that we tr- totally dragged
3: him. What did he say? It was very instant, wasn't it? It was like it was yeah, yeah. minutes after.
0: Oh, yeah. He said good things are happening today um, that uh, early voting has started in Philadelphia, which I love. I stand. Yeah. yeah. Like,
2: Conrad's uh, such a good person compared to literally all of us. 100%. <laughs> like, the rest of 100%. the world it's like, yeah, bad shit does happen. The best bad shit, too. Fucking He's North like, like living. <laughs>
0: he, he's like trying to save democracy. <laughs> you no, know, Philly's great. We have a little over a month uh, until this election. And um, it is time, if you have not gotten involved, to get involved. Um, I'm still running my partnership with 150 Reasons and with um, So You Want to Talk About and with a Friends Vote Together. Um, and we are trying to get as many people involved and engaged as possible. Um, today, at the day that we're recording this, um, we put out a post around faxing uh, Mitt Romney, um, Corey Gardner, and Chuck Grassley and encouraging them to not put somebody in the Supreme Court before the election um, and faxing people your petty notes is actually kind of an amazing way to do advocacy. It was very therapeutic knowing that this, these two pieces of paper with a cover letter were going to get printed and mailed and then sent directly into their office. It just feels good because Their voicemails are full. They don't answer your emails. They don't answer your calls. Like, it's just so frustrating. I was like, so how can we force something into this system? You know, whether it gets printed out or whether it gets put into an online service, it's just a fun thing, I think. So, my action item is if you guys have an opportunity, um, there's a website called, I think it's faxzero.org, and it's super easy. You just send a uh, free fax. You can send up to five a day um, to um, different candidates. So they have your, your house representatives on or, or different congressional members. Uh, you have your um, house members on there. You have your senators on there. I think you can even send something to the White House. Um, and I'm sure it gets delivered in some odd way. But basically um, that is my action item is that you guys should start faxing because it's a new way <laughs> to do or an old way to do a new thing um, of telling our politicians what you want so that's my action item. Um, we have pre-drafted templates for you. They're available at the link in my bio. Um, it's in PDF form, and you can just kind of throw it right in there, and you can let Mitt Romney know that you think he's a total fucking bitch. <laughs> <We> love that. <laughs> that's good. All right, Erica, what's your action item, and where can people find you?
2: Um, my action item is again to, and I will literally push it until the day that I turn into a crusty, dusty corpse. Stay involved at every single level. Um, You know, if you can and you feel safe doing so, go vote early. Um, And for those of you who don't know, because I didn't know myself, um, it's for those who have not requested mail-in ballots. So you've not requested a mail-in ballot and you live in Philadelphia. There are plenty of centers throughout the city and more to open in the coming weeks. Um, And again... Get to know your local politicians, get to know what they stand for, and understand that um, it is more than just the president in the election. And unfortunately, you know, local politics don't get as much coverage, but I think to us as individuals, it is the most important thing. And if you want to see more pictures of my forehead with my thoughts, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Erica, E-R-I-C-A underscore Megan, M-E-G-A-N.
3: Uh, Kirk, what about you? What's your action yeah, item? My action item is um something Paul made me get an action to do, which was to look up and see how and can I get involved in... um working the polls on election day. So I did that today actually, and I haven't heard anything back yet, but I'm sure I will. Um, I So I encourage everyone to do that. Uh, this morning I woke up to a notification from work saying we were getting, um, I think, four to five hours of PTO on that day. So basically I would just take the day and and work the polls. It's really important. They need people to do it. Um, It'd be great if younger people could do it because I think it's always a lot of older people and I feel like this year they probably won't be due to everything and they shouldn't have to. Um, so younger people should do it, take off of work, do a duty and, um, you know, encourage your friends to do it too. Um, my one other thing was, I know it's not relevant to Pennsylvania cause I don't think you have to show your ID when voting, but I know in some States you do, I don't know what it is like in every state, but make sure your license isn't expired cause then you might not be able to vote if you're going in on person. I thought about that recently. Then I realized in Pennsylvania, it's just, um, if it's your first time voting in a certain place, in a new area, it needs, you need to have an ID. Otherwise, you're fine. But um, so people, you know, make sure if, you, if you're in a state that you need your ID, make sure it's not expired so you don't get turned away that day. Um, and you can yeah. find me at Kirk.Charles on Instagram where you can see me post things where my friends say I'm too politically inclined. at my friends if they listen to this
0: (laughs) yeah 100 if they made it this far at them cool all right andrew you're up all right well um watch the next debate
4: um as painful as the last one was and the next ones will very probably be it's important to stay engaged with the political process if there's anything i've learned over the last four years is you know As a person of extreme privilege, living life on the easiest of easy modes. Four years ago, Andrew was not interested in politics and couldn't care less because it didn't matter to me. And the last four years have really shown me that it doesn't matter if it matters to me directly. It does matter to me directly. And it matters to everyone else around me. So stay engaged and be engaged even if it's if you're somebody like me who's an extreme introvert and does not like being engaged with much of anything um we can't afford to not be in this election you can find me on instagram posting once every two months at
0: a n d r w j n alphabet soup yeah. yes <laughs> All right, Ben. You're the newest guest. Close us out. What's your action item, and where can people find you?
1: Yeah, thanks, Paul. So um, you all took a couple of mine, which is which is excellent. You had fantastic ideas, all of you. Um, one sentiment that I've heard recently that I really like, and I think this is especially for uh, for white people like myself listening, is If you think back to historical times, like the civil rights era, this idea that whatever you ever wonder what you would have been doing at that time, well, whatever you're doing now is what you would have been doing then. If you don't have kids, think about what you would tell your future kids when they ask you, what did you do when Donald Trump was president Um, and he told the Proud Boys to stand by. So I would encourage people to use your voice, like watch the debate, but share with others Be like Paul or to like, I'm like 1% of Paul where I'll make a video and post it on Instagram. But I'm telling you, people pay less attention than you think. If you've taken the time to listen this far, you're paying more attention than 99% of people out there. And it doesn't matter who you are, how you identify, you can educate others. And then I have a really fake thing that I think that you should do, which is something I do every day, which is DM Fox News host Tucker Carlson and tell him that he's a fucking racist and I hate him so much. <laughs> I in his yeah. DMs I love every it. day. I DM Mitch McConnell, I DM Lindsey Graham, and I just cuss them out. And
3: no one's answered or blocked you? No, no one's answered, no, no. one's blocked. I got blocked by Tommy Laren, so that's my claim to fame.
0: I love it. That makes me so happy. Cool. Well, Ben, seriously, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great to have you and have you share your perspective. We would, of course, love to have you back at any point uh, to join for another episode. Um, But thank you for joining Erica, Andrew and Kirk. Thank you guys for joining us again on the let's impact that podcast. Um and um obviously you guys know where to follow me uh, at it's paul warren on Instagram. Um and if you have any thoughts, need anything, just want to vent or cry, uh, I do my best to respond to every single DM, um unless you're uh the account uh trans for trump telling me that I am anti-LGBT, I will not respond to you because that was the worst day of my life. Uh, but, but, uh, Uh, I would love for, you know, for anybody to reach out, keep following and um, share this episode, rate this episode, do all the things that you're supposed to do with podcasts to make them more popular. um, Even though this one is really just for our own sanity, not for yours. Um, But thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, This was great. And this has been another episode of Let's Unpack That. So talk to you all soon.